Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible this morning to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. I introduced this new subject last Sunday and intended to continue on Sunday night and then the, the Holy Spirit led just in a, in a different direction Sunday night and we just had a wonderful time in the Lord worshiping and letting the Holy Ghost move, amen? amen. Praise God. And last week I told you that, uh, or, or reminded you in previous months, I had taught on uh, our authority in Christ and then I taught on healing. And both of those uh, series of messages were designed to educate you so that you would see what belongs to you. Healing belongs to the Christian. It's our covenant right. Authority has been given to the church. It's our covenant right in the name of Jesus. And, and so then the Lord uh, dealt with me about going the direction I started last week. And we're talking about how to lay hold of these provisions. How to, lay, how to lay hold of the blessing of healing. It's one thing to know it belongs to you. It's another thing to lay hold of it. And, and there are techniques. There are biblical ways that, ordain, that are ordained of God for us to lay hold of the things that belong to us. Now, it's quite obvious that not everybody knows those principles of laying hold because if, if more folks did, there'd be more healthy people in the church. There'd be less sickness and disease if more people knew how to lay hold of their healing. Amen. Amen. And I'll go even so far as to say in Word of Faith churches, churches who teach, Pentecostal churches, Spirit-filled churches, who teach on our covenant rights, and that healing belongs to us. I'll say again, in, in our company, if more people knew how to lay hold of it, there'd be more people laying hold of it. Amen? Same thing with our authority. We, we, we get excited about our authority in Christ, and we should. But then are you using it? The primary way you use your authority is with your mouth. By what you say. Amen. And so really that's the direction we've been going in this, in this series uh, that we started last week. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Now this, this is a key word today, boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now we see here that, that God is offering 
from the throne of grace, he is, he is offering us grace and help for us in time of need. Amen. And he says that we are supposed to come before him boldly to obtain this help and this, and this grace. Every one of us have times when we need God's grace. Every time we need, they're, 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 all of us have times when we need his help. And we're more conscious of it sometimes than at other times. Sometimes there are greater challenges and greater oppositions. Oppositions is not a word, but opposition that comes to us. And we, we have to know how to access this grace. Because the grace and the mercy to help is always there. But how many of you uh, could say that, that in every crisis of life, you've always accessed that grace and mercy and come through with God's victory? No, we don't always, we're not always successful in laying hold of it. Well, it's not because it's not available. It's not because God's not doing his part. He's inviting us to come. Yeah, but there's a key here. He said, let us hold fast our confession. That is so important. Like I said last week, you know, I grew up, I was a church boy. I mean, I grew up in church. My family were in church all the time. My parents were leaders, lay leaders in the church. And, and back then we had two midweek services when I was a, a boy. And so we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, every week throughout the year, unless we were on vacation or if somebody was sick, which, you know, didn't happen very often, but, you know, you were out occasionally. But uh, uh, I would venture to say plus well beyond 95% of the time we were there. And we were very, uh, we, we built our, our lives around the word of God. We were very meticulous in searching the scriptures and quoting the scriptures. My family, my, my, my immediate family, we were very devout. And, uh, you know, we, we grew up and, and we memorized Bible verses and, and uh, sang, you know, about the Bible and, and, and preached, you know, the preachers preached the Bible. And, you know, the, the word of God was the foundation. And the interesting thing is, it wasn't until I was an adult, after I had got, you know, went away from the Lord and come back and got back into fellowship with the Lord, when I started learning about how faith actually works, I found out that there are, there are different kinds of confession. I never heard that. The only concept of confession I ever heard in church was the confession of sin. And that's, what the, that's all I thought the word meant. To confess means to, to admit you've done wrong. And uh, like I pointed out last week, actually the word confess, even if you look in your, in your English dictionary, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Webster's Dictionary gives two definitions. It might give more, but these were the two that were pertinent. Number one, to admit a fault or crime. Number two, to declare, to declare one's faith. So that's what the Webster's Dictionary says. So the word uh, confess means to admit. It also means to agree with. 
And it means to declare. When you look at it in the Bible, that's what it means. It means to admit. It means to agree with. It means to declare. I told you last week that there are four confessions, different kinds of confessions identified in the New Testament. The first one, we can identify it and then we can put it aside because it's no longer applicable. And that was the confession of the, the Jews' confession of their sins under the Old Covenant. You remember when, when uh, John the Baptist went uh, out you know, preaching and baptizing, the Jews came to him from everywhere and were baptized in the River Jordan, Jordan confessing their sins. Well, that's not Christian baptism. That was real, even though it's in the book of Matthew and, and, and Luke and, and so forth, even though it's there uh, in the New Testament. It's really not New Testament. It's under the Old Covenant because the New Covenant hadn't started. So that one doesn't even apply. So we can, we can wipe that one off the slate. There are three other different, there are three other distinctly different kinds of confession in the New Testament. And two of these, two of the three are, are positive in their nature and one is negative. Now we're, we're most con, uh, aware of the confession of sin. And so the confession of sin would be a negative it's not, it's not negative in the sense of it's, uh, that it's not valuable, but uh, in other words, sin is negative, okay? And so in that sense, it's, it's a negative thing. The other two kinds of confession are both positive. They're not the confessions of sin. Now, the negative is still important. So when I say it's negative, I don't, know, I don't mean that from, from the way we normally think. Well, that's negative. We don't need any negativity in our life. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, if, if you have a, an automobile, you, you have a battery, it has a positive and a negative. You need them both. You don't believe, if you don't believe it, just take the, take the cable off the negative side of the battery and see what will happen to your car. It won't crank. Isn't that right? You guys have a trailer. You, you, you know, if you have like a... Uh, a work trailer or something there's a, a lot of times there's that little white wire you know that goes from the harness and, and you know on the, on, on the trailer side and you put a little lock washer under that and you, and you screw it to the frame of the trailer that's what grounds the trailer that little white wire breaks loose that's the negative wire if it breaks loose what happens your lights go out isn't that right? Yeah. So, so the negative side of things in, in, in that, in that uh, situation is important. Well, in spiritual things, the negative side of confession is very important. The confession of sin is important in its place. But the Bible actually has far more, the New Testament in particular, has far more to say about the positive side than it does the negative side. Amen. Well, let's look at the, at, the, at the positive and the negative here. We talked about this last week. First of all, when a sinner comes to Christ and, and is saved, go over to Romans 10 with me. We're going to spend a lot of time in Romans 10 here today in the next few sessions probably. Look at verse number nine. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice what a person does to be saved. He believes in his heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confesses him. Confesses who? The Lord Jesus. What does it mean to confess the Lord Jesus? It means to, to 
confess who he is, to confess his supremacy. It really involves confessing that he is the Christ, that he is God's son, that he came in the flesh, that he died on the cross, that he was raised from the dead, that he ascended into heaven. All of that's involved in confessing the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so it's a sinner doesn't confess his sins in order to get saved. Now, so often Christians have quoted 1 John 1, 9, which says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a lot of times that's been used in evangelism or evangelistic outreach or, or in evangelism trying to show sinners how to come to Christ. But that verse wasn't even written to, to sinners. It was written to Christians. Because the sinner isn't saved by confessing his sins for the simple reason he couldn't remember all of his sins. I mean, if you had to confess your sins in order to be saved, nobody could be saved. Because no one could possibly remember all their sins. And, and it's, it's simply not how it works. He tells us here how it works. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation doesn't start out with the negative side. Salvation starts out with the positive side. That's right. Amen. Then, of course, there is the, the negative side, and I've already alluded to it, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We won't turn there. You're familiar with it. But in case you're not, that whole book was written to Christians. It wasn't an evangelistic tool. It wasn't written to the world. It was written to the church. And so when Christians sin, when you and I miss it, when we're disobedient, when we do something we, that we know we shouldn't do, then this tells us how to maintain fellowship with God. It, it just simply says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so that, that negative side is necessary in order to maintain fellowship. The third type of confession is simply the confession of faith. Now, the confession that the sinner makes when he confesses Jesus as Lord, that is a confession of faith. But... Uh, generally speaking, the confession of faith applies to all of the other blessings and promises of God in our lives. This is the way, it's the confession of faith that lays hold of them. Amen. Notice he said we are to hold fast. Go back over to Hebrews 4 again. Hebrews 4. Let me find it myself. <clears throat> Hold fast. He said, we have a high priest. This is Rome, uh, Hebrews 4.14. We have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession. Well, that couldn't be talking about the confession of sin. I couldn't be talking about the negative. It has to be talking about the confession of faith. For the simple reason, you don't hold fast to your confession of sin. Once you confess your sin, 
The Bible says when God, he says, I, even I am he who uh, uh, forgives your transgressions. And I will, he said, for my own sake. That's what God said. Isaiah uh, 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out, he said, your transgressions for my own sake. You thought he did it for your sake. He did it for his own sake. Why? Because he wants to bless you. He wants that out of the way, out of the picture. He says, I blot it out and I will not remember your sin. So whenever you confess your sin as a Christian to the Lord, he takes it and blots it out, puts it away. It is over and he forgets about it. Well, then it'd be completely inappropriate for you to remind him of it. Because he said, I will not remember it. And some Christians, they think that humility, it's a sign of humility to go to the Lord every day, telling telling the Lord how unworthy unworthy they are, how many times they've missed it, how many times they've failed, and grovel in that. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I will not remember that. I will not remember that. Amen. So you don't hold fast to the confession of sin. It has to be the confession of faith. We hold fast to our confession of the Lordship of Jesus too. Glory to God. We sing about him. We talk about him. We call him the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hold fast, he said, to your confession. Biblical, now now let this sink in. This is important. This is the crux of what I want to say today. Biblical confession is a vocal declaration of what one believes in his heart. Biblical confession is a vocal declaration of what one believes in his heart. In other words, your confession is a proclamation of what you believe and know to be true. Your confession states what you believe. Your confession declares something you know. And your confession proclaims a truth you have accepted wholeheartedly. So biblical confession is a vocal declaration. You could say it's also a proclamation of what you believe in your heart and what you have accepted wholeheartedly wholeheartedly as the truth. Now why is that important? Well, now we'll go back to Romans 10. Romans 10. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything? Now, in order to make everything fit here, let's start in verse number six. And it talks about the righteousness of faith. Now, if we, if we had time, we'd go back to the first chapter and the third chapter, and we would see when he talks about the righteousness of faith, he's talking about the right, it's righteousness is right standing with God. And the righteousness of faith is the, is the righteousness or the right standing of God that's, that's available to the Christian through faith. It's not just talking about the fact that God is righteous. It's talking about his righteousness imparted to man. 
And, and, and this is what salvation is. Salvation is the result of God's righteousness in being imparted to man. Your unrighteousness is removed in the new birth. Old things passed away, have passed away. All things become new. And that new person you become in, in Christ is made in right standing with God, created in right standing with God. So that's the righteousness of faith, okay? Verse number six says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. In this way. No, notice that the righteousness of faith speaks. The righteousness which is according to faith speaks. It's not silent. It's not silent. You cannot be silent and be victorious as a Christian. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And then he uses a couple of illustrations. What does it say? Verse number eight. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith, the message of faith. The message of the New Testament, the word of God, he says, is near you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. It has to be in both of those places for it to work. The word won't work for you if it's not in your mouth. I said the word will not work for you if it's not in your mouth. If you're not speaking the word, the word will not dominate your life. Because your, your word, your confession of faith locates you. Your, your confession of faith gets you, your confession of God's word, faithful confession of God's word gets you off the fence and it identifies where you are in the spirit realm. I'm telling you, church, in the, in the realm of the spirit, words are powerful. They're very important. They're far more important than, than natural man understands. He tells us right here. Verse, let's go on in verse number nine. If you confess with your mouth, notice how graphic that is. Notice how graphic that is. If, if ordinarily, if you were in a conversation with someone and, and you were wanting to uh, 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 describe, you know, them saying something, you would just say, well, you know, if you'll just say it. Or, or you might say, well, I heard you say so-and-so. You wouldn't ordinarily say, I heard you say so-and-so with your mouth. That would be considered unnecessary. How else did you say it than with your mouth? I heard you say this with your mouth. But notice that's what God did. Because it's important. He wants it. It's, that's, that's called double emphasis. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is the result of more than just believing. I said salvation is the result of, of more than just believing. Believing's not enough. Because he listed two things. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, if you if you if you fail to do either one of those, 
you're not going to be saved. Now, like I said earlier, when I was raised in, a, in an environment, in a church, we, we didn't know anything about the confession of faith, and we were never told to confess the lordship of Jesus. Never heard that growing up, not one time. Salvation was presented like this. The gospel was preached. Sinners fell under conviction, and we told the sinners to come to the altar and accept Christ. Now, we told them to repent of their sins, but, you know, that's obvious. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be coming to God if you, if you weren't willing to, to repent of your sins. But the main thing, the thrust was, accept Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and accept it. We said nothing about confession. And yet, instinctively, we begin to confess the Lordship of Jesus. Because I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and say, because I'm talking about now uh, the, 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 the prospect that I'm presenting now is people that believe things and don't say it. It won't work. But I'm going to go a little bit further and say when you really believe something, you will say it. Yeah. If it's in your heart, if it's really in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. And if it's not coming out of your mouth, it's because it's not sufficiently in your heart. So going back to salvation, we would confess the Lordship of Jesus. We immediately started calling on the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, the Lord saved me. I was in church Sunday night and the Lord saved me and watched me from. We would immediately start calling him Lord. We didn't know that that was a spiritual law functioning there. It was coming out of our inward man. We immediately confessed him as Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? So yes, we were genuinely saved, but not understanding confession hindered us and handicapped us when it came to other blessings because, because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. And so confession just flowed out of you. But when it comes to other things that belong to us in Christ, other provisions that's ours and covenant rights, we weren't as fully convinced. See what I'm saying? We, weren't, we, we, we didn't get that word established. Even though we're in a Pentecostal church, we believed in healing. We also believed that sometimes God doesn't heal. I mean, there, was all, there were always examples in my church growing up of the spectacular testimonies of healing. My own family, my parent, grandparents, my parents, my mom was healed of a, of a terrible uh, 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 stomach uh, digestive disorder when she was just a little girl they, she was dying and they had nothing no way to treat her and God miraculously healed her so we had these testimonies all through the church we believed in healing but we also had a lot of people that didn't get healed and the people that didn't get healed we said well you know God always answers prayer sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no Sometimes he says, wait a while. And either he said no or he's waiting. That's not biblical. That, that is a, that, all that is is natural reasoning, natural understanding, trying to explain away failure in prayer. It's, it is not the Bible. God never says no and he never says wait. All the promises of God, the New Testament says, are yes and amen in Christ. There's not any maybes in that. That's right. there's, not a, there's not any hold on a little bit longer and I'll get to you. That's not, not God. 
So because these other areas of our covenant rights, our, our right to healing, our, our right to uh, prosperity and abundance, we believed in tithing and giving offerings, but you know, some people were blessed and some people weren't. What, whatever, whatever the covenant blessings that belong to us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'd seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and seek. And seek. Well, it those those things were not in us sufficiently to produce that confession like like believing in Christ was. That was so complete. And why? Because people have been taught that for centuries. It's everybody knows what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you believe with him with all of your heart, you give your life to him. And so naturally confession flowed out automatically, and we had both. Belief in our heart, confession in our mouth, we were saved. But when it comes to the other things, we had half-hearted belief mixed up with a lot of doubt and the wrong things were coming out of our mouth. You're not going to overcome with wrong things coming out of your mouth. Oh boy, I could meddle. I might. Let's stick to our text here. It's got a lot of meddling in it. Amen. Romans, get back to Romans. I lost my place. Romans 10. (laughs) Now, he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That's That's what Peter did. Jesus asked the disciples. He said, who do men say? You could, you could add with their mouth. Who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, some say you are Elijah or one of the uh, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was a confession of the lordship of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, now we always lead people in, in prayer, you know, for salvation. We, we believe in the Lord Jesus and confess him with your mouth as Lord. But they're, they're, it's not just those words, it's, it's confessing who he is. He is the Christ, he is the son of God, he is the, he is the way, the truth, the life, he is the redeemer, he is the lamb of God, he died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, he ascended on high, he is our Lord. All of that is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. We don't need to get so narrowly technical on words. All of that's involved. He said, if you do that, you will be saved. Then he tells us why. Verse number 10, Romans 10, 10. You know, there's another 10, 10 in the Bible that's real, that's real famous. John 10, 10. That's a key scripture in the Bible. John 10, 10 straightens out a whole lot of uh, of false doctrine. If people would just believe it, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, Jesus said. Oh, that straightens out a lot of false doctrine, a lot of crazy thinking. Well, this 10, 10 straightens out a lot of things too. Romans 10.10 is the cardinal verse of Scripture in the New Testament on faith. It explains precisely how faith works and why it works. Romans 10.9, we've already read. Verse 10 says, For with the heart 
one believes unto righteousness. Remember, if you go back and read the entire chapter, you find believing unto righteousness is equated with salvation. And that's why he said in the previous verse, this is what you do and you shall be saved. Say, those mean the same thing. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, or you could say salvation. With the heart, with an inward man, you understand he's not talking about the physical heart. You couldn't believe with your physical heart any more than you could with your liver or your spleen. It's talking about the heart of man. It's talking about the center of man, the very center, the spirit of man. For with the heart, or you could say the spirit, one believes unto righteousness, unto salvation. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation or righteousness. Notice the two things. With the heart, one believes. And with the mouth, confession is. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. What does that mean? Whenever you heard the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, you believed in your heart. Now, you might not understand it. You might not have understood it with your mind. You might have even had a lot of questions. Well, the questions don't matter. It's what you believe in your heart. You, you believed in your heart that Jesus was who he said he was, that he did pay the price for your sin. And that God accepted it and that salvation was offered. You believe that with your heart. What were you doing? You were believing unto salvation. Your, your believing was bringing you salvation. But notice there's two sides. With the heart you believed unto it, but with your mouth confession was made unto it. It's, it's sort of like a coin. You know, if you had, if you reached in your pocket and, and pulled out a quarter, it has both a heads and the tails there's two sides to it if you take a file and and file down either side you've ruined that quarter it's no longer legal tender nobody has to take it stores don't have to take it bank doesn't have to in fact if the bank takes it they have to turn it in if they find it, they have to turn it in. They have to send it back to the federal government. It's taken out of circulation and the federal government will have to replace that quarter, put, it, put another quarter back in circulation somewhere else to maintain the monetary system. Why? Because that quarter's no good. It won't buy anything. You might can trick somebody by paying, you know, paying with it, but if they know, it's not any good. It's really not any good. It won't work. Well, by the same token, there are two sides to the transaction that produces salvation. One is believing in your heart and the other one is confessing with your mouth. Just so that you'd understand what he's talking about, he's talking about framing the words with your lips, speaking it. And both of those have to be in play or, or salvation doesn't take place. Both of, why? Because a person that just comes to Christ and believes, but he's never, he never really stakes his claim on the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit hesitant. Well, you know, I, I, I believe, but I'm not, you know, I, he's not there yet. 
In fact, you can look it up. I think it's in the Gospel of John, but look it up. There was a, it talked about the, the leaders. There were some religious leaders, some Jews, even among the, among the, the, the uh, ruling class of the Jews, the, among the Pharisees and the scribes. And it says, they believed on him, but they would not confess him. Look it up. What do you think they were saved? They believed on him, but they wouldn't confess him. What does that mean? That they, they believed, you know, I think he's telling the truth, but I'm not going to step up and risk my life. I'm not going to risk my reputation. I'm not going to get thrown out of my house or out of my job. So I'm not going to identify with him. That's not saving faith. No, it takes, it takes believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. That's why when we give invitations, that's why I invite people to the front. Because I know it takes a public proclamation. It takes someone who, who in order to be saved, you have to, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus and throw everything in with him. Take everything that's his, take everything that's involved in him, completely give your life to him and, and, and say, I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to stand for the Lord. I, 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 might, I might lose my friends. I might lose my, my position in society. I might lose everything I have, but I'm going to stand with Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is my Savior. Anything less than that, you're ashamed of the Lord. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Well, that's, that's how faith works. It just works that way. If it works for salvation that way, it works for everything that way. Amen. For with the heart one believes unto, just put any of the blessings of God. For with the heart one believes unto, and with the mouth confession is made unto it. And both of those things are required. In fact... I like this translation. This is the Phillips version. And that latter part, where the first part where it says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. The second part of that verse in the Phillips version, it says, it's real small here. Oh, those are three dots, excuse me. <laughs> and, <laughs> what is that? And it is, listen to me. Listen now. And it is stating his belief by his own mouth that confirms his salvation. It's the best translation I've ever seen. And it is stating his belief with his own mouth that confirms his salvation. Your confession is what clinches it. It's, the, it's, it's what closes the deal. Where it comes to salvation where it comes to your healing, where it comes to, to any other thing that you're believing God for that you have the word of God on, you know belongs to you. It's by believing it in your heart and saying it with your mouth. Listen, you cannot be silent. You cannot, let me say it this way. You cannot be in silent agreement with the scriptures and expect victory in your life. You cannot be silent in the face of opposition and in, in the face of circumstances 
or, or symptoms, anything that's contrary to the word of God. If you're believing God to change that, you, you can, it takes believing it, but you also have to say it. And, and I don't even like to say it that way. I don't even like to say you have to say it. I'm just, it is necessary because it's part of the transaction. But if you, 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 if you will get it, this is what I ended up in last week and I'm back to the same place I was last week when I stopped. And at the same time too. If you get this in you, if you get this word in you to the place that you truly, it's, it's, it's what you live for. You know it to be true. It's just you, you, you let somebody cut your head off before you deny it. When it gets, you in, when it gets in you to that degree, it'll come out of your mouth. And if it's not coming out of your mouth, you better get back into this because it's not working. It is not working if it's not coming out of your mouth. It's not working. It's not working. It's so easy to be in agreement with everything that's preached from the pulpit. It's one thing to say, yes, amen, I believe that. Nod your head, even raise your hanky and shake it around a little bit. That's one thing. But when you get into the, into the, uh, the, the, the daily life, into the battle of life, if you're going into that silent with no word coming out of your mouth, with no confession, notice he said, come boldly to the throne. It takes a bold confession. And if there's not a bold confession out of your mouth of what you believe in your heart, you're not overcoming. You're really spinning your wheels. You're really spinning your wheels. That's why so many people are not victorious. That's why. They believe right. Their doctrine is square and right up, you know, just the way it needs to be. But somehow they feel like, eh, it's a little extreme to go around saying this stuff all the time. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that you go around saying it at other people. It's what you confess before God in prayer and in worship. It's what you say to yourself. More important than what you say to other people. But because confession got sort of over into the ditch in the early years of the word of faith and people were just walking around just, just mouthing off all these confessions, just you couldn't, have a, you couldn't have a conversation with somebody. You couldn't even just say, well, how are you doing? They'd take 30 minutes and tell you everything about the Bible that they're doing, what, everything they believe. Give me a break. I, just, I, don't even, I didn't even care how you were doing it was, it, was, it, was, it was just a conversation piece. I just, I just meant hi. <laughs> you spent 30 minutes telling me everything about the Bible. Come on now. And so people pull away from that. But the fact of the matter is, if, if you're not saying it, you're not having it. Yeah. Glory to God. Why? Because with the heart... One believes, and with the mouth, confession is made, clinching the deal. That's what confirms it right there. See, when you boldly confess what you know in your heart to be true, Jesus said it. I said, you know, that the Bible has much more to say about the positive than the negative. It's all through the New Testament. Jesus said it this way. Whosoever shall say... To that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. 
shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Believe where? In his heart. For with the heart, Ben believes. Who, but will believe in his heart that those things he, he, that he says will be done, he'll have what he says. Over in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, we then having this, it quotes the Old Testament, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, I believed and therefore I have spoken. Paul said, we also believe and therefore speak. So this idea of believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth is all through the New Testament. Paul talked about God. He said, God is the one who calls those things which do not exist as though they do. What does that mean? In other words, he says it before he can see it. God looked out over the vast emptiness of nothing because he believed in himself. He had no, he had no one greater to believe in. He believed in himself and he believed in his words. And he's, God didn't take out a, some kind of a crazy little magic wand he didn't go through all kind of, you know, uh, dramatic stuff and float around and do. He just stood up and said, let there be light. He said with his mouth what he believed in his heart. Light came. And that's how faith works. That's, God is a God of faith. That's how he works. And I'm running way over I'm trying to stop. I'm looking at this and I've not gone as long as that says I have. I started it late too, I think. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God for faith. Thank God for the confession of faith. Put it in you. He said, it's near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. You got to get it in your heart and then you got to get it out of your mouth, through your mouth. Hallelujah. That's where faith lives. Lives in your heart and it lives in your mouth. Lives in what you believe, it lives in what you say. Glory to God. Find scripture that promises you whatever it is your need is find scripture and then feed on that scripture and feed on it until it's so real on the inside of you it's, it's more real than anything else around you and then lift your voice I'm not talking about screaming to the rooftop I'm just saying boldly lift your voice and confess that what that word says say what it says if it says that by his stripes we were healed, then you say glory to God. By his stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. Hallelujah. If it says my God will provide and meet all of your needs, then you say my God meets all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Whatever the need is, find the word, get it in you, but, but you must speak it and, and you get to speak it. I don't really like to say you must speak it like it's something negative. You get to say it, praise God. Saying it is glorious. Saying it is glorious. 
Saying it is not weird. Saying it is a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. Saying it is, is acting like God. It's acting like God. I didn't say you're God. I just said it's, it's what, that's what God does. Saying it, saying what you believe is what God does. And so when you believe something and you say it, you're, you're operating in the realm of God. You're operating in his realm of doing things, his way of doing things. You're conducting business with him, praise God. Hallelujah. Acting on his principles that he said to act on. He's not offended you're moving into his realm. He's delighted. He wants all of us to live there. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.